You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. In this episode, Dr. John talks blood sugar. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about a disturbing report from the CDC that said that one in three Americans, that's almost 100 million Americans, are actually pre-diabetic as we speak. And what's worse is that 90% of those people don't know that they have it. And I've been finding that to be the case in my practice, where many, many folks are actually uh, pre-diabetic and haven't been diagnosed or haven't been screened for that yet. The cause of this pre-diabetes is our diet. Definitely stress plays a role, but our diet of processed and refined foods and lots and lots of sugars. You know, I hope that most of us realize that you know sugars and high fructose corn syrups are terrible for us. High fructose corn syrup is in just about everything. It's the number one source of calories in our diet in America is high fructose corn syrup. Most of you know to avoid that by now, and a lot of companies are going back to now putting sugar in the diet, pure cane sugars back into the, into the foods, which is good, but still, they're still sugars. The high fructose corn syrup actually goes directly to your liver, and it gets broken down into your liver and stored as fat, and never actually is delivered as energy. Very, very toxic substance, very hard to digest substance for the body and the liver to process. And you got to remember that a lot of our blood sugar handling ability comes from our liver, not just our pancreas. It's about 50-50. We always think of the pancreas totally responsible for blood sugar, but the, the liver is involved in that process as well. So there's a lot of hidden sugars. You know, a lot of us think, well, I eat really healthy. I have, you know, fresh uh, squeezed uh, vegetable juice and, 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 and fruit juice every morning. Well, when you squeeze an apple and beets and carrots and you have apple, beets, and carrot juice, apples are loaded with sugar, beets are loaded with sugar, and carrots are loaded with sugar. You just squeeze out all the sugar into that juice and you're drinking a sugary drink, you know, and that's your breakfast. Boom! The sugar goes right up into your brain and into your bloodstream. You have uh, a chai tea and you think you're having, you know, it's a chai tea. Well, off those, those are incredibly sweet. Yogurts, 27 grams of sugar in most Yogurts are extremely loaded. Natural chips, whole wheat bread. The sugar in whole wheat bread is very high glycemic index. It gets into the blood very, very quickly unless you're eating a, a bread that is a sprat of bread, one that's refrigerated, that needs to stay in the refrigerator because bread in the old days didn't sit on your shelf for a month in a plastic bag and it would just last. Bread would go bad in a couple of days. Milk would go bad in a couple of days. Now we have stuff that just lasts forever on our shelves and we just let it just sit there. These are toxic foods and they don't digest well and they, they, many of them are processed as quick moving sugars into your, into your bloodstream. People think, well, well, I'll just have dried fruit. I have many patients who have bags of dried mangoes and they eat a bag a day. They love them and think they're eating something healthy. It's considered a healthy snack. The energy bars, healthy snacks, they're loaded with date sugars and molasses and honey, all of them very quickly driven into the bloodstream. You know, um, a mango, for example, has about, a regular mango has about 13 grams of sugar in it. If you take that same amount of weight of mango in, in, in dried fruit, um, about 100 grams of each, you have uh, uh, 76 grams of sugar. So the regular mango, 13 grams of sugar, the same amount of mango as a dried mango, 76 grams. 13 grams to 76 grams. That's what happens when you concentrate stuff. Orange juice, 27 grams of sugar per cup 
and kids eat big, huge glasses of this stuff. So what happens in our diet is we just explode the sugar into the bloodstream. And, the, and the, your, our bloodstreams don't know what to do with it. We weren't designed you know, to handle these injections of sugar into the blood. And eventually the cells, the muscles become resistant. They can't tolerate, they can't take, they can't eat any more sugar. So they don't let the sugar in. So the blood has to do something else with it. And what it does is it takes the sugar and converts it into triglycerides or belly fat. It also will convert it into, into cholesterol, which then damages your arteries. It'll also, and here's the worst thing, that extra sugar in your blood will, do, will, will engage in a process called glycation, where it sticks to proteins. And those proteins then run through your bloodstream and they stick and irritate and aggravate your arteries and create arterial damage and risk for cardiovascular disease. And the two major proteins that are involved in this process are elastin and collagen. Now, those are the ones you want for good, clean, healthy, non-wrinkled skin. Everybody wants that. But, and, and so it's really important. Eat a lot of sugar in your diet, you're going to get wrinkles. That's due to the process of glycation. It's a major cause of damage of your inner skin as well. You have skin lining your arteries, it gets damaged. You have skin lining your intestinal tract, it gets damaged. You have skin lining your respiratory tract, it gets damaged by this process of glycation. So if you're eating you know, fruit juices and we, you know, vitamin water, for example, 27 grams of sugar, a glass of Coke only has a little bit more sugar than that, not that much more. So you think a vitamin water is a healthy alternative, please please start looking at these labels. There's just tons of sugar in so many things and they're hidden and you don't realize that they're there. And the blood sugar just keeps creeping up and creeping up and creeping up into the point where we have now an epidemic of prediabetes, 100 million Americans. It's unacceptable. We need to start realizing that we were not designed to have all these concentrated sugars in our diet. And these, of course, that along with the processed oils, the fats that we eat, are oftentimes toxic, anything deep fried, and, and even the vegetable oils like canola oil. You go to the health food store, you get an organic cracker, it says organic this, organic that, you know, everything is good, but it has canola oil that's been cooked, it's turned rancid, it's a toxic substance. So please, take a look at your diet, start reading the labels, and get the sugar out of your diet, and understand the risk of a high sugar content diet, and particularly the hidden sugars, the ones that you're not aware of. You know, a lot of the dried fruits and the dried berries and, uh, and lots of fruits in your diet, they tend to spike those blood sugars and a lot of times we don't even realize it. White rice by itself, potato chips by themselves, potatoes by themselves, corn products, corn, you know, corn chips with salsa, big time sugar injection to your bloodstream. You know, corn is the number one source of sugar in sweeteners on the planet. And so whenever you're having soy that's been processed other than corn on the cob, you're actually eating something that is a very high glycemic food that's going to be driven into the bloodstream and create you know, possible increased levels of blood sugar, increased level of insulin, insulin and, and, and the associated damage to your heart, your arteries, increased weight gain, and also high cholesterol, among other things. Please check out the article I write and introduce you to this whole concept of pre-diabetes and thank you for listening. I'm Dr. John Biard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Biard. I'm going to talk to you today about a very simple and extremely important home screening technique for prediabetes. You know, the, the CDC came out with this very disturbing report that said that 
uh, one in three Americans, 100 million people are pre-diabetic as we speak, and 90% of those people don't know it. And the reason is because we have this gaping hole in Western medicine that's not screening people properly, hasn't kept up with the new studies. We know now, it's well documented, that between 70 and 85 milligrams per deciliter is normal blood sugar when you wake up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, you take your blood sugar and you find out what that blood sugar number is. And if it's between 70 and 85, you're in great shape. Okay? They did a study and they found out that if you're over 85 milligrams per deciliter in the morning, you have a 40% risk of dying of a stroke or a heart attack in your life. They did another study with 46,000 men who were non-diabetic. 80% of them were over 85. The studies are so conclusive that where is significant risk when your blood sugars go over 85? But there's no real screening for pre-diabetes or diabetes until you're either at 100 or 110. Diabetes is 126. That's when they're going to start you know, looking at type 2 diabetes. Most labs still have 110 as the pre-diabetic screening mark. Some labs will screen you at 100. But either way, once you're over 85 to 90, you've got a 20% increased risk of dying of a heart attack or stroke. From 90 to 95, your first fasting blood sugar, first blood sugar first thing in the morning, you have another 20% increased risk. There's, and it might take 10, 15 years from you, go, from you to go from the good, healthy blood sugar in the low 80s up to the high 90s or to 105 or 110 before someone says, hey, guess what? You're pre-diabetic. We need to do something about your diet now. And see, there's nobody telling us until it's too late. We have to screen ourselves now. And the best way to do that is go to your local pharmacy, pick up a cheap uh, glucometer, blood sugar testing device. It's very simple. You can get them online and you poke, them, poke yourself with a little striker to get a little blood. You squeeze it in this Very little blood. doesn't hurt at all. And you find out what your first morning blood sugars are. And then you have an absolute you know, either motivator to get yourself on a good diet because now you realize, oh my gosh, my blood sugar is 104. And you don't realize it. Remember, 90%, uh, 90 million people, one-third of Americans are pre-diabetic and they don't know it. You take your blood sugar, all of a sudden you're looking at that number on the screen, you're going to like, I better get my act together. I better get my diet together. I test my kids. You know, I told my 11-year-old one night, I said, hey, I'm going to um, test your blood sugar in the morning, okay, because he's got a sweet tooth, right? So I went into his room that morning, and he knew it was happening, and I reached in, couldn't see, he was under the covers, I couldn't see him, but I found his arm, and I pulled his arm out, and got his finger, and I was ready to poke him, and he said, Dad, he said, yeah, I just, what are you doing? I said, don't move, and I poked his finger, and we got some blood, and you know, he, and, um, he was good with it, but it was normal, and it was great, because kids should be normal, gosh, they definitely should be normal, and doesn't, but, but your kids have sweet tooth, and they get so many sugars, I talk about that in my previous video newsletter. You know, we're doing this series on, on pre-diabetes because it's so critically important. Please, go get a cheap tester. Make sure you and your family are not you know, pushing numbers over 85. And if they are getting over and they're creeping up, then we can do something about that now and, and, and change our diet and make dramatic changes to get ourselves back into a healthy blood sugar. Most of those blood sugars are easily brought back into balance with just cleaning up your diet and it happens very, very quickly. But if you let it linger, then you're knocking on the door of pre-diabetes, and that's something that none of us want. I have so many patients that, are, that I do this with, and they come out and they say, gosh, 
They come back and they email me. My blood sugar is 120, 130, 160. One, I, I mean, it's mind-boggling how many people are actually pre-diabetic and they simply don't know it. They don't have any symptoms. I think of this particular test as so simple and so easy and such a motivator for you to get your diet together and get your act together about the sugars and the processed foods. Such a motivator to get back on track and, boy, and prevent obesity, heart disease, arterial damage, many types of cancers, Alzheimer's, all the studies that are linked to high blood sugar I list in the article associated with this video. So please check that out. And um, thank you for listening. I'm John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about our addiction to the sweet taste. You know, as part of our series on prediabetes and blood sugar, I want to talk about how addicted we are to this one taste called sweet. You know, in Ayurveda, there are six tastes, sweet, sour, salt, pungent, bitter, and astringent, and all six tastes are supposed to be there at every single meal. The word for taste and emotion are the same in India, and therefore it was understood that by having a balanced meal with all six tastes, you balance your emotional state and your physiology. It's a mind-body experience. But in our culture, we have become addicted to the sweet taste, maybe the sweet, sour, and salty taste. We have you know, if you go to a fast food restaurant, you have uh, sweet milkshakes and salt on your french fries and pickles on your burgers. Those three tastes, sweet, sour, and salt, tend to calm the nervous system and make you feel less stressed. But excessive amounts make you feel complacent and dull and create obesity and congestion. Very dangerous. And that's something like what's happened in our culture. We have an obesity issue and a weight gain issue, possibly due to an excessive amount of these three tastes. So what we do in our culture, instead of eating more of the bitter and pungent and astringent foods, bitter foods like the leafy green vegetables, pungent foods like spicy gingers and spicy foods, and the astringent foods like beans and pomegranates, not pomegranate juice where they squeeze out all the sugar and you're just drinking juice. One serving of pomegranate juice is like 31 grams of sugar. The whole fruit, not concentrating our foods, um, have uh, you know, a balanced palate, very astringent. So the astringent pomegranate and beans and cucumbers, the leafy greens, um, and of course the pungent foods tend to balance those, those very uh, addictive tastes like the sweet and the sour and the salt. But what do we do in our culture? We go, well, you know, we found out that sugar was bad, so we make high fructose corn syrup. Still tastes sweet, but supposedly better for you. Well, that turned out not to be the case. And then they went into you know, giving us artificial sugars. And we found that that's saccharin and sucralose and aspartamine, many, many studies. And I write about those studies in the article associated with this video. And this article is really about all the different sweeteners that I want you to become aware of. I list uh, all the sweet names that are on the, the sweetener names that are on the labels of all the foods. So you have a list of all the, the names of the sweeteners that are hidden in our foods that you don't know. So you can begin to kind of tune in to know what you're looking for as you begin to avoid the sweets. And then there are, and I talk about this in the article, the, uh, the, the sugar alcohols. You know, unlike stevia, hundreds of times more sweet than regular sugar. Saccharin, hundreds of times more sweet than sugar. The sugar alcohols are only half as sweet, so they're not so bad. And they're not so bad. There's not any studies that I could find that show that they're dangerous. But again, they're the sweet taste. Those are the xylitols and the mannitols and the, and the, um, and the um, other types of kind of sugar alcohol sweeteners that are there. So those are okay. 
but the problem is that we haven't broken our addiction to the sweet taste. We keep inventing new kinds of sweets that are supposedly healthy and turn out not to be. And maybe what we need to do is find that there's a sweet taste in a vegetable. Did you know that your vegetables are actually carbohydrates? They're wrapped in cellulose, so they don't taste that sweet, but when you chew them, the sweet is in fact released in a very slow, steady pathway process. And it's actually a sugar that we're ingesting when we eat those vegetables. We become so addicted to the injection of sweet that we don't taste the sweet in vegetables anymore. Many people don't even like the vegetables, and that's a dangerous place. And when you have those injected concentrated sweets, they activate dopamine receptors in the brain. And dopamine is the I gotta have it hormone. And when you see that dark chocolate, sometimes even think about the dark chocolate, the dopamine starts to rise in your bloodstream. When you see the logo of a Starbucks, the dopamine levels start to rise in your bloodstream because your brain anticipates the injection. And we have created a culture where we look for these injections. So we have to break our cultural habit to the sweet taste. So please, take a look at your plate next time you eat and see if you can find the sweet, sour, salty taste. If you have to add a little pepper to it, then do that. And you can begin to spice your food appropriately to bring your foods into balance. Great way to bring your food and your meals into balance and definitely begin to be aware of our addiction to that sweet taste and how terrible it is for you. So please read the article associated with this video about the sweet taste and please read the rest of the articles in this series on blood sugar and prediabetes. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. John Diard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Diard. I want to talk to you today about chocolate. A very delicate issue. Chocolate is something that everyone loves. And in this final video newsletter about blood sugar and prediabetes, I'd like to talk about chocolate. You know, chocolate has got wonderful qualities. I'm going to talk about some of the amazing research on chocolate, how beneficial it is for your cholesterol levels, for your blood pressure, reduces coronary artery disease by like 22%. But we're talking about the cacao. Same thing we did the article on coffee. We were talking about the actual green coffee bean, not the milk and sugar that, that goes along with it. When you take dark chocolate, a serving of dark chocolate, 70% or greater, and by the way, all the studies show that the, the benefits are done with, with dark chocolate at 70% or greater, you're looking at about 11 grams of sugar. Milk chocolate per serving, and they're small, is about uh, 20 grams of sugar. So there's a heck of a lot of sugar in the typical chocolate that we eat. So if you're gonna eat it, please make it the darkest possible. Now, the cacao by itself has amazing properties. I call cacao the rainbow uh, brain chemistry stimulant. It does just about everything. It has a chemical called theobromine that's both a stimulant and a sedative. So it allows you to be kind of calm and relaxed and also engaged at the same time. It has another amino acid called tryptophan. Tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin, which is both antidepressant and anti-anxiety. 95% of the serotonin is produced in your gut. So when you eat a piece of dark chocolate, boom, it goes right to your gut. You have this incredible surge of production of serotonin. Maybe the reason we have this incredible instant reaction or one of the reasons why we have this very quick, happy response to the chocolate from the tryptophan. There's also a chemical called uh, phenylethylalanine, which is a, uh, a, they call it the love drug 
or the chocolate amphetamine. It creates this stimulation. It's the excitement that you feel when you're falling in love or during sex. It's that chemical that's produced in dark chocolate. And some, some studies show that women actually prefer dark chocolate over sex. So it's quite a drug for the brain chemistry for sure. Another chemical in chocolate or in cacao is the anandamide. Ananda means bliss in India. And so it's a chemical named after its ability to provoke this bliss state. Very similar chemical to THC found in marijuana. It is a dopamine activator. So it's a drug that produces a high. And there's two chemicals in chocolate that actually inhibit the breakdown of the anandamide and therefore allow the effect to linger for a long period of time. Another reason why we all have fallen in love with chocolate because of its lasting and lingering effect. Many incredible studies done on dark chocolate. Remember though, it has a lot of sugar in it. It has got caffeine in it. It is an injection to the nervous system. You know, is it yeah, cacao itself, by itself? I haven't seen any studies that show that there's any side effects or negative issues. It's, a, it's just the pure extract of the bean. However, taking that on a regular basis does provide this incredible global impact into the brain chemistry. I wonder whether or not this is a more of a medicine rather than a food. Coffee turned out to be, from the Ayurvedic perspective, more of a medicine rather than a food. Chocolate, from the Ayurvedic medic perspective, really is more of a medicine than it is a food. And sometimes having a little medicine is not a problem. I'm a big fan of you know moderation. However, that being said, if you're eating, if your sugars and your blood sugars are an issue and you're pre-diabetic, then this definitely has to go. But beyond that, you know, we have a culture that is so used to being stimulated by sugar and by candy and by juices and by chocolate, then, and even by activities. You know, yoga, uh, meditation has been replaced with yoga because it's more stimulating. You know, sitting on the back porch and on the weekend has been replaced by going shopping. Um, you know, going on picnics with the family has been replaced with doing soccer tournaments. With the, you know, it's all about stimulation. And our culture has become that, very fast-paced. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it's, it's important to take a minute, stop, and realize that maybe there's some sense in turning the volume down and slowing down this thing and not being addicted to the stimulation that's so incessant in our culture. Our minds are incessantly thinking, worrying, active in so many different ways and actually turning the volume down. And in Ayurvedic medicine, that is a goal. There's a, there's a mindset called sattva. Sattva is you know, that state of being at peace within yourself. Not at peace because you're doing something. Not at peace because something's gonna, someone's going to give you something. Not at peace because you're going to jump off a cliff and dive into a pool of water. Not at peace because you're going to accomplish something or make a lot of money. But just at peace because that's your nature, to be joyful and loving for no reason. Not because you had something or something's coming. And that is really the goal of Ayurveda. And at the end, really the goal of this series of blood sugar. Yes, prevent diabetes. It's too dangerous. But at the end of the day, when you get off the sugars, you create a calm nervous system, a still set, a still point in your nervous system where you can begin to realize that I don't need to be stimulated to be satisfied. Please check out this article on chocolate and um, read the research on this amazing uh, substance called chocolate. And please go back and read and watch the series on uh, blood sugar and how to prevent prediabetes. Thank you for listening. 
I'm Dr. John Biard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Biard, and I want to talk to you today about some interesting research that links pre-diabetes to increased risk of Alzheimer's. In one study, people who had just borderline diabetes or pre-diabetes had a 70% increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease in their life. Half of the people who are over 85 have Alzheimer's disease. One-third of the American population, that's 100 million people, have pre-diabetes today, putting them at significant risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. We know that increased blood sugar in our country is an epidemic. It's directly linked to the number one killer, which is cardiovascular disease, and it's also now being linked directly to Alzheimer's disease. You know, when you have a lot of sugar in your blood, the body doesn't know what to do with it. The brain really doesn't want that sugar in the blood. And the body becomes insulin resistant. The brain becomes insulin resistant. And the sugar stays in the blood. And we've talked about, I did a whole series of newsletters on blood sugar. The excess, excess sugar in your blood goes right into belly fat and hip fat. And it also turns into cholesterol. But it also glycates. Glycation is a process in where the proteins and the sugars stick together and they clump the blood, make the blood very, very thick. And there are these things called advanced glycation end products, or AGEs. And these advanced glycation end products are very damaging. They're the leading cause of arterial disease and cardiovascular disease. It's kind of why it happens. It causes oxidation in the body, in the arteries, and in the brain. Studies with, uh, in autopsies of people with Alzheimer's disease had significant amounts of these AGEs in the brain compared to normal folks. There are very dangerous AGEs that are directly linked to damaging certain neurons that control cognitive function and memory. There are also AGEs that are linked directly to depositing beta amyloid plaque in the brain, which is the hallmark for Alzheimer's disease, is plaque building up in your brain. Now, there's also an enzyme called the insulin degrading enzyme. And what that does is when the sugar gets really high in the blood, uh, the, the body says we've got to get rid of that sugar. So it has this enzyme, insulin-degrading enzyme, that takes the insulin out of the blood so there's not excess sugar trying to drive into the brain. Like I said, the brain becomes insulin-resistant, and it can't take that kind of sugar. So they have this enzyme to help remove it so we don't actually damage the brain. Problem is, is that this enzyme also removes beta amyloid plaque from the brain. So if the brain or this enzyme is too busy dealing with the insulin, then it's going to leave the plaque and the beta amyloid plaque can accumulate in the brain and that can predispose us again to Alzheimer's disease. We have this thing called insulin resistance of the brain and studies at the Oxford University in England have been studying coconut oil as a new kind of energy supply for the brain. That actually coconuts are as a fat, and these fats burn as ketones instead of sugar. So when they give the brain ketones instead of sugar, the brain starts to function better. Cognitive function in folks with Alzheimer's was improved, where when you give them regular sugar or glucose, the brain can't take it. The brain has stopped being able to use sugar. So when you start eating all the sugar you're eating, Think about what that's doing to your brain. It overwhelms the brain, and eventually the brain, according to some study, is saying, I just can't take it, and now maybe I have to use another fuel supply. But boy, that also is linked to AGEs, which cause damage, that lay down plaque, and can sometimes do some permanent damage to our brain function. So what can we do? Well, clearly what we can do is protect ourselves from blood sugar issues early on. I'm a big fan of getting your own glycometer, test your blood sugar in the morning, make sure those numbers are actually not 
in the danger zone. Anything over 100 uh, milligrams per deciliter is considered prediabetes, but really all the current research says that the safest zone is going to be between 70 and 85, and anything over 85 increases this risk of glycation and also excess damage to arteries and even brain tissue. Uh, also, remove the hidden sugars. We, gosh, there's so many hidden sugars, dried fruits and all the healthy sugars, molasses and honey and agave. These are all sugars. They go right into the brain. They go right into the blood. They damage the artery, and they actually cause this increased risk of prediabetes. Proper exercise, really important. Great studies that show that exercise really does work, and I've written articles about how to exercise. Please tune into that. Meals, not snacks. Eating meals, 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 meals all day long never gives your body a reason to burn its fat. You need to be a good fat burner. If you have breakfast, nothing to lunch, your body will burn fat in between. If you eat all day, your body will just eat the meals you have, you, you're eating all day long, and you'll never give the body a reason to become a really good fat burner. And of course, we want to lose weight, but more importantly, it's the fuel that's stable and calm that our brain really requires. There are many herbs that we can look at, and I invite you to go to my website and research some of these herbs that support good and stable, balanced blood sugar uh, and brain function. Uh, uh, gymnema, one of the classic Ayurvedic herbs supporting blood sugar. Turmeric, um, chromium, a mineral that supports blood sugar. Alpha-lipoic acid, omega-3 fatty acids, all these things. Please do your research. Herbs, Ayurvedic herbs like bacopa and brahmi supporting cognitive function. Uh, I list those and cite the studies, those on my website as well. So please do your research. Please know that there is a direct link now between sugar issues which are rampant in our culture, and the increased risk of Alzheimer's boy, and that's a risk I wouldn't want to take. Uh, please check out the article where I go into detail uh, that's associated with this video on my website at lifespa.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I'd like you all to take our blood sugar awareness test. As you can see, you have lots of foods here, and I'm curious to see if you know how much sugar is in each of these foods. I think you're gonna be surprised to see that there are a lot of hidden sugars in some of the foods that we think are really, really healthy. So in just a moment, we're all together gonna to take this quiz, which I think is really exciting and quite profound, actually. Now, we all know that sugar is an epidemic. We have blood sugar rising in one-third of the American population. We have prediabetes. 90% of those folks don't know they have it. It's a real big issue. When the sugar starts to creep up in your blood, some bad things begin to happen. That sugar, the extra sugar, turns directly into unwanted fat around your belly, your hips, your arms. We don't want that. That extra sugar will turn into cholesterol, which we don't want that either. That extra sugar, which the brain uses it actually uses up an enzyme in the brain to help get rid of the extra sugar. Well, the problem with that is if you're using that enzyme to get rid of all the sugar for many years, that same enzyme takes the plaque out of your brain. And we don't want that. We want to save our mental clarity as we age. We don't want to have the body using that enzyme to get rid of sugar when it should be shoveling out the plaque. That's really important. And maybe the worst thing of all that the blood sugar does when it starts to creep up is it glycates. Glycation means that the proteins in your blood, like collagen and elastin, make your skin look youthful. 
they stick and clump together with the sugars. And the sugars and the proteins clump and they clump your blood. And they cause all kinds of damage to the arteries. They, they cause kinds of issues related to chronic disease. I mean, glycation, more damaging than even the free radical damage we've heard so much about. That glycation is like the new big thing you don't want to have. And it happens when the sugars begin to rise. So for all those reasons, most importantly maybe, the glycation robbing the, the, the collagen and the elastin out of your blood. And it, as well as it might make you look youthful on the outside, that collagen and elastin is so critical for the health of the villi of your intestinal tract, the health of your respiratory tract. The skin on the inside is what makes it all happen. And that, if that's healthy, this skin looks good too. So it's really critically important. So let's, here we go. Let's take a look here. Um, we have a classic can of Coke. And I'm just curious of how many of you know how much Coke, uh, how much sugar is in this can of Coke. I know you guys all know it's a lot and it's cr a crazy amount. And we know that there's literally 39 grams of sugar in this can of Coke. That's 10 teaspoons of white table sugar in this can of Coke. It's a lot, right? Absolutely a lot. So we think, gosh, don't want to have Coke because we know that's bad for you. So we say, well, I should just drink pomegranate juice. Now, this is 16 ounces of fresh, pure pomegranate juice. We know it's good for you. It's got great benefits for the health, for the heart. So we know that. It's good for your lymph. It's got lots of really great benefits. But when you take the juice out of the fruit and you, you basically squeeze it out away from the fiber, you concentrate the sugars. And this particular, this particular glass, this is the serving size of this is eight ounces, okay? Most people of us would probably drink the whole thing, right? Well, eight ounces of this gives you 31 grams of sugar. But if you drink the whole thing, you've got a whopping 64 grams of sugar, almost twice the amount of a can of Coke. Did you know that? So that's the risk that you take. And sugar, as far as your body's concerned, is sugar. Sugar is sugar. So if you're taking 64 grams of sugar drinking this whole thing, and you're only getting 39 in this can of Coke, 12 ounces of Coke, that's a crazy amount of sugar that many of us aren't aware of. So we have to be aware of that. So we say, well, maybe I'll have another type of juice. Maybe I'll have this Alwala superfood juice. This is 12 ounces. It's very, very healthy for you. It's got lots of greens, lots of things. But again, it's concentrated. It's the fiber and, and, and is not in this. It's basically just the juice is squeezed out of the leafy greens of some of the fruits. And the, and the sugar content in this is a whopping 37 grams per sugar, pretty much the same as your Coca-Cola. Hard to believe, right? But very, very real. Other things, another one, uh, the Alwala blueberry ju juice is 12 ounces. It's blueberries, healthy, you got fresh blueberries. We know blueberries are really good for you, which are really important. And this has a whopping 34 grams of sugar. So again, some of these fruit juices can be a little bit deceiving. We think that they're really healthy, but you're actually drinking quite a lot of sugar. Here's the one that I think is maybe the most famous, the, the Adwala um, Naked uh, Green Machine, right? It's 15.2 ounces, and most of us would um, probably drink the whole thing, although they have a serving size of this is just 28 grams of sugar. But when you put this whole thing in your tummy, which most of us will drink, you get 58 grams of sugar with the green machine. That's a lot more than the Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola has other issues too, I get that. But we ought to be considerate of how much sugar we inject into our bloodstream at one time because the body is not designed to handle that type of concentration. That makes sense? So very, very important. So we might say, well, let's just go to something really healthy like a vitamin water, okay? The vitamin water. How much sugar do you think is in the vitamin water, okay? And this is uh, 20 ounces. So it's a lot. But most of us, after a workout, want to drink the whole thing. And you're drinking a whopping 
32 grams of sugar. So again, a lot of sugar, way more than you probably thought you were drinking when you were drinking the vitamin water, which we think has just got vitamins in it. But it's got a lot of sugar as well. Very, very interesting, eh? So then we think, let's talk about some foods for a second. Our Snickers bar, okay? Now, we know this has got to be bad for you, right? This Snickers bar here, how much sugar do you think has, is in this little bar of Snickers? This has a, about 27 grams of sugar, okay? So it's a pretty good amount of sugar for a little Snickers bar. And we have to be careful because there is a lot of sugar in here. Now, when you take a Cliff Bar, which is the sort of healthy alternative to this, and say, well, I'm going to have a Cliff Bar instead, we have a whopping 23 grams of sugar. So it's really not that much different. And there's cooked oils in the Cliff Bar. And, and, and there are many ingredients that are suspiciously carrying MSG. Cliff bars have that. This is an extremely processed product. When you, all of these, or a lot of these, a Snickers bar as well, but this product we think is healthy, and it's actually a processed product. It has cooked oils. The other big bad thing that we do a lot is we ingest cooked oils. Whenever you cook an oil, the oil becomes rancid. The liver doesn't know what to do with that oil, and it congests and toxifies your liver, and your liver becomes unable to cope and, and deal and do its job in terms of detoxification, metabolizing fats, stabilizing blood sugar. Liver is very much involved in stabilizing blood sugar. We don't think it. We think it's only the pancreas, but no, it's about, about half your liver and half your pancreas and then your intestinal tract plays a big role as well. So be aware that these bars are processed products and they're not that great for you. So think about it. So we say, well, maybe I'll just stick to a mango. Mango. The mango, the amount of sugar in one full mango is pretty low. It's about 13 grams of sugar, right? So that's, you know, a pretty reasonable amount of sugar and a healthy amount of sugar. But if you took this mango and you decided to say, well, let me dry it out and take it as a dried mango, and now you took some dried mango, which is very common and one of the sort of health food snacks that we have, the same weight that has 13 grams of sugar in a whole real live mango has a whopping 76 grams of sugar if you take the same weight. Crazy, but when you dehydrate the water out of it, you're left with concentrated sugar. So be aware of these dried fruits that carry a lot of sugar into your system. Sometimes we take healthy snacks and give it to our kids and we give them, you know, the brown cow yogurt. Brown cow yogurt is, um, uh, you know, healthy. It's got lots of really good ingredients, but, you know, all dairy products carry a reasonable amount of sugar. So the amount of sugar in this, in this yogurt, which is the blueberry, boysenberry low-fat yogurt, is a whopping 25 grams of sugar. So it's a pretty big hit. The good thing about this, it has protein and it has fat, and, and uh, it's a more of a balanced food. But when you throw in that concentrated blueberry, that concentrated you know, raspberry or strawberry, you're amping up the sugar content in some of these foods. One of the drinks that I don't have here, which I think is sort of interesting, is those juice boxes, those Knutson Farm juice boxes, apple juice that we give our kids, right? How much sugar do you think is in a small eight ounce box, juice box that you put in your lunchbox for your kids? A whopping 30 grams of sugar, right? That's a lot. You know, sometimes you go to the uh, grocery store and you buy a protein shake, like a, um, 
like on a walla protein shake. And some of those can have up to 40 grams of sugar. So read those labels. It's very, very important. We're not aware of that. I always tell my kids you should drink, you should, if you're gonna get something, you wanna have something that's less than 10 grams of sugar, and it shouldn't have any sugar on the ingredients. So when you look at the ingredients, you shouldn't have any added sugar, and the total sugar content shouldn't be more than 10 grams per serving. That's sort of like the rule when we go shopping. So my kids came back one day and said, hey dad, can I get this? It's only 10 grams of sugar per ice cream bar. And I looked at it, and it does have a little bit of cane sugar in it as well, but it's only got nine grams of sugar. So they got under by one, and this is a kind of treat that actually is reasonable. If you look at some of the ice cream sandwiches, they're 20, 30 grams of sugar, where this treat for the kids is only nine grams. It's a healthy, smart choice when you're looking to give your kids a treat. I, mean, I don't believe we have to live in a bubble, but we have to have an understanding of what the sugar impact and the load is on our system because the body can't handle it, and the body's ability to handle the sugars, it just breaks down over time, it just does. Now, you go to the grocery store, you want to buy some bread. You go to any supermarket and you buy supermarket organic whole wheat bread. And you wonder, okay, what's the glycemic index of this bread? We've heard that breads are starches and starches are sort of like sugar. So what's the glycemic index? What is the glycemic index? Glycemic index is, the, is how quickly a food becomes sugar into your blood. So you can imagine that Coca-Cola has extremely high glycemic index. Uh, white table sugar, for example, right here, white table sugar has a glycemic index of 59, okay? So the glycemic index of white table sugar is 59. The glycemic index of this organic whole wheat store-bought loaf of bread, the glycemic index of that is a 75. Sometimes they're in the low 70s, sometimes a croissant, for example, is in the high 70s, but you don't realize that when you are taking a organic whole wheat loaf bread, you are probably eating sugar at a very fast rate. Faster, it hits your bloodstream of sugar faster than regular white refined table sugar. Phenomenal. The glycemic index here, 59. Glycemic index here, 70, 75, something like that. Significantly different. The reason, this has cooked oils in it. When you look at the ingredients, look at the label, and if it says cooked safflower, it just says safflower oil, you know this has been baked. Those oils have been cooked, they have become rancid, they're undigestible, the liver doesn't know what to do with them, they congest your liver, and your liver is responsible for a significant amount of your blood sugar, and that will, will undermine your ability to get those numbers, those blood sugar numbers down. So what you do for bread, you think about eating something like this, an Ezekiel bread, the glycemic index of this is a 39. It has whole grain, whole wheat, sprouted grain, sprouted wheat. So it's very easy for the body to digest as opposed to when you start cooking them with oils. That's the deal breaker for most of these breads is the cooked oils in them, not necessarily the fact that it's organic or wheat or wheat free. I'm sort of very suspicious about all the gluten-free products because many of them are processed products as well and they have cooked oils in them. My second choice, other than an Ezekiel or a sprouted grain bread that you typically buy in the grocery store freezer section, is um, like a sourdough bread. A really good sourdough bread on the ingredients will say water, wheat, and salt. That's it. If you look at the best organic bread, whole wheat bread in the grocery store, the list of ingredients is about four, five, or six, 10, 15 lines long and always has 
some type of preservatives because it's going to sit on your shelf for, for a week or two or three or four even before it really starts to go bad. This is your bread. If you don't put this in the refrigerator and you put it on your shelf, in three days it's got mold on it. That's what you want. Bakers, remember in the old days, they'd bake bread and um, they had to do it every day because it would go bad. And that's what we, we don't realize that that's what bakers did. We sort of put them out of business in a way. And, and, and we did that with processed oils that act as preservatives that, don't let, that doesn't let the bread go bad. Make sense? Uh, something that I like to use as a, as, a, as a treat is these cobbly crackers. Again, they have no sugar in them. They have no cooked oils. The ingredients on this are whole grain, rye flour, rye bran, and salt. I mean, there's just nothing in this, really, to speak of that could be a concern. Zero grams of sugar, very, very easy to digest, and very, very good for you. Okay, now, maybe one of, some of your kids might say, Mommy, Mommy, can I have some Doritos? And you say, well, let me look at the label, and it says zero grams of sugar in it. So you're like, I guess it's good, right? Most potato chips will say zero grams of sugar. So you think, I guess it's good. But if you read on, there is just you know, scary amounts of chemicals and preservatives in here, but there's also the, you know, the cooked oils that really congest your liver and undermine your liver's ability to maintain stable blood sugar. Very, very important to not be duped by the fact that it says zero grams of sugar. And so it's, well, you go, well, maybe I'll just go to this one, which is an organic sea salt potato chip. It also has zero grams of sugar, but it also has pressed, expeller pressed, which is a really good oil. It says expeller pressed, that's great. But it's naturally cold pressed oils, which are better than, than some of the heated oils and the processing that takes place. Problem is though, as soon as they cook it and bake it into a potato chip, it goes rancid. And that's the risk that you take. So how did you do in our quiz? Did you, were you aware of all these factors? Are you aware of the fact that some of these, these juices have whopping amounts of sugar? They might be good for us on one hand, but always thinking about going to the real food. You know, instead of drinking a green juice, drink, eat the vegetables, eat the pomegranates, eat the mango. Think about taking them in their whole form. Take away all these wrappers, and you have one food left on this table, and that is the mango. And that's something that we can't dispute, is a natural product, a non-processed product. So the two golden rules are non-processed food, foods with no cooked oils in them, number one, and number two, no added sugar in the ingredients section of the label, and it should be less than 10 grams of sugar per serving. And you always want to think about when you eat these foods, have them as a balanced part of a meal. You have a protein and a healthy starch and lots and lots of vegetables. You're talking about a balanced meal as opposed to having only one of these all by itself as an injection to the blood sugar, and that's what the body can't really stand. We have a series of blood sugar articles. There's four articles and four videos that we've done that go into in significant detail into this whole blood sugar arena, understanding what you can do to help yourself, what foods you can eat, and how to be proactive in making sure that you don't run the risk like the one-third of the American population who who are pre-diabetic, and 90 million of those folks 
don't even know they have an issue like that. So please check out the, the series of videos, part one, two, three, and four. We even have the last part all about chocolate for you and talks about the benefits, pros, and cons of chocolate. But please take a look at these videos, take, read these articles, get educated, and take responsibility for your health with regard to the amount of sugar and processed foods, particularly processed oils that you're ingesting. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. John Guyard. This recording is brought to you by LifeSpa, where ancient Ayurvedic wisdom meets modern science. Get access to free health video newsletters by Dr. John at LifeSpa.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.